Hello and welcome to the Natty's Podcast. My name is Jared Grunewagen, and I am joined once again by Andrew. Reinforced Vader is a beast, Durham. <laughs> oh, geez, no, the secret's out. <laughs> we also have Cliff. If you're not flying Ray, you better have RZ2s. Lindsay. 100%. Speed. Turrets. Thank you for joining us tonight for episode 16 and the first order of business. Today on the cast, we are going to have a bit of a chat about worlds as we are joined by a very special guest, Bohan. You shall fear the will of my first order, Lee. Day 1A, top first order pilot at Worlds. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so I hope you guys have all had a great day. Thanks for having me on the podcast. So just to start out, uh, we'd like to talk about what have you been flying lately. So let's start with Andrew. Um, well, I guess now that you mentioned it. So I ran a, a fun event over the weekend that just passed, and it was... I've, I've been trying to do something creative with the cards that we get, the altar cards, where it's like six in the pack, and you know, it, FFG says you know, hand them out to people over like a six-week period. So my creative idea was to maybe we make an event out of it. So we take these six cards, and everybody gets them at the event, and you have to include at least two of these events, in your, uh, sorry, two of these cards in your list. So I threw something together, and I put angle deflectors on Vader, and <laughs> I put, uh, what, what is it, uh, diamond boron missiles on Death Rain, and I threw Echo in the list, and they have some upgrades here and there. Uh, so we got Death Rain with diamond boron, seismic charges, advanced proton torpedoes, FCS, and I think that's all he has, maybe, yes. And then I've got Echo with Passive Sensors and Fifth Brother, and then I got Vader with Hate, Angle Deflectors, and Passive Sensors. And it did not do that bad. In fact, it kind of encouraged me to start messing around with it. So that's what I've been messing around with lately. How about for yourself, uh, Cliff? Um, well, after talking to Phil a couple of weeks ago, I decided to give that Nine Numb and Poe list a try, and um, I'm gonna keep on playing with it. It's uh, it's definitely not Nine Numb's definitely not Ray, but at the end game, it ended up just being Poe, and I was really wishing it was Nine Numb alive. You know, he's very good when it's just him versus three ships, because you could, you know, do your talons either way and. Odds are you're going to get somebody in that uh, range one. Uh, the static discharge thing is actually amazing. Um, yeah, it's a list I'll keep on uh, keep on playing around with. I heard it's really great for last chance qualifiers. Not so great in uh, day one A or day one B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how about for yourself, Bohan? What have you been flying recently? Yeah, so we've uh, I've been trying to work on my adjusting skills a little bit, and we've also been running some learning slash improvement games in the London group. So I've been flying Forex Zeb for a little bit uh, the last few games. I've also had one game where I've been trying out uh, random scum list, trying to make Cersei work uh, because my model says that she seems to be okay, and I am not sure about that. So I wanted to see and. She seems to be okay, uh, so I've been trying to put her into a list, but it's hard to build a list around her, actually. So just for our listeners, why don't you just uh, tell us a bit about your journey through X-Wing? Kind of who are you? 
Sure. So I wanted to. So I think I got into X Wing a couple years ago.、Um, I wanted to get into a board game scene.、Uh, when I kind of do hobbies, I like to really jump into it and get good at it and those things. And you know, having、uh, left New Jersey, I lost my previous board game scenes. And so I decided to get into X-wing, and this was right around the time the Force Awakens pack、uh, kind of launched. And so,、uh, yeah, I was in London at the time, and then I got into the game.、Uh, Nasim, who is now in Ottawa, kind of got me into the game and taught me the basics. And I just、uh, played there, and、uh, I still play there.、Um, I, you know, kind of got into it and.、Uh, Did okay at a few tournaments, and then the first tournament where I made the cut was Canadian Nationals 2017, and I managed to win that one with Kanan Biggs, and so that was probably the biggest、uh, X-wing accomplishment. And、uh, more recently,、um, at Canadian Nats, I got to the top eight, and at Worlds, I was、uh, top FO in day one, and、uh, scrubbed out in the top 64. Uh, outside of tournaments, I outside of tournaments I run the Space House blog, and I also have、uh, the X Wing、uh, ship effect effectiveness spreadsheet,、uh, that huge thing with a bunch of colors that tells you hopefully how good ships are. Very cool, and congratulations to all the accomplishments that you've already、uh, gone so far in X Wing, but for playing for such a you know a kind of a short period of time. Yeah, thank you. For some news, we haven't really covered news recently too much,、uh, but there's been a few developments.、Uh, sad news. Sad news. <laughs> so the first was that they they kind of delayed a bunch of the、um, a bunch of the releases that we thought were all going to kind of happen together.、Um, we have now the huge ship and the epic,、uh, but the Re-releases of Wave Six are coming in December, and then the、uh, the new ships for Wave Six are not coming until February. And then with that, they also have now canceled the re-release of the Saz Renegades, the Tie Reaper, and the Imperial Raider. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, it, okay. So I just don't have. I guess we just aren't going to get any understanding. I think that's the biggest piece that people have a hard time with. And I know, like myself, I'm just going to keep chugging along and and have fun with the you know the community members and and well friends alike and play some events. And、uh, but this is kind of a down time for X-wing. This is there's not. Really, a ton of events and stuff happening locally. I mean, we did、uh, just finish having an awesome PTL open in Toronto, but we don't have a lot of hyperspace happening right now. We don't have、uh, Canadian system opens happening right now. So unless you're traveling to go to these、uh, events down the states、uh, for the system opens that are happening、uh, shortly, there really isn't too much going on. So the next best thing is. Uh, looking forward to all these releases. Now we did get Epic recently, and Epic has really shown to be awesome. But then you know now, but we do need a, like a little more stuff in there still. So you know,、uh, 
the having the ships pushed back not not so great having especially the ones that we really are searching for because i know as a first order player i mean we haven't had a ship for two and a half years a new ship so now we're looking at february for von riggs tie uh, we the fireballs and coming until then the stuff that is going to be re-released so i i mean i sit at the perspective of the player who has uh, already done the 1.0 and converted to 2.0 maybe i would feel differently if i was a 2.0 only player uh, because but then still you know we're definitely out of our release dates that we kind of have been promised before and there's not really an explanation as to why and then there's some things that are just not being released again or at least at this moment and that would really if i'm talking from a 2.0 only perspective that would really suck i would not want to be buying ships from 1.0 to then, like, speaking Epic, to then convert them with conversion kits when I could, like, I would have preferred to buy the 2.0 version. Same deal with Saw's Renegades. Like, I would prefer to be buying a 2.0 version, you know, where an X-Wing's wings open up perfectly, open and close, and there are no misprints or typos within the cards, contrary to buying something I perhaps already know will have these uh, cumbersome, like, unfortunate things about the 1.0 version so that's pretty disheartening and without any understanding like if we heard that you know it's not happening right now but it will be happening or it's not happening because there's so much rise of skywalker content coming that we want to make room for and we and we've really been pushing for that that would probably at least uplift somebody's spirits but right now it's kind of like bad news bad news bad news and if i'm a 2.0 player that really really sucks I think the the Saw's Renegades pack, I can kind of understand that one, even though the original pack, you know, had some flaws with it. I think you could understand as a, like a business perspective, that one probably is not going to sell at all. Yeah. You know, do, do, do you get what I'm saying there? Um, like, and how many businesses, how many store owners are going to want to bring in yeah. the new Saw's renegades pack when they still like our store has i think two or three of them that are still left on the shelf i yeah. get it but then ffg should probably create a system where they can have ships return to them especially the jump from 1.0 to 2.0 hit a lot of stores who weren't as popular who were sitting on a lot of product it would be awesome if they had like a return ability of these products to go into 2.0 Right or a repackaging, a repackaging process or something of the sort for these things to jump into to a 2.0. It, I, I just think I just don't think it's a a really good means of business uh, for them because as a 2.0 player right now you have to purchase the 1.0 stuff mm-hmm. and then the 1.0 stuff has flaws. I think that the the biggest one really is that uh, the Raider, and yeah. I mean I was listening to Radio TCX. That's really so, yeah. And Radio TCX, you know, they made a good point of that's one of the ones like with these other two packs. At least if you get your hands on the 1.0 version, there's 2.0 content. With the Raider, you get your hands on the 1.0 version, which is why they they said they're not doing it because there's so many of them out there. But then you have to buy the conversion kit, and they're not like it'd be different if they were sending 
a conversion kit for the one ship that was like super cheap or something like that and you're like okay I can buy the old version and then the conversion for just this but if you get just this new one 1.0 1 ship brand new from a store you then have to buy the conversion kit for all the ships because mm -hmm. yeah your choices just kind of suck right now it's either get the 1.0 uh, raider and then get the conversion kit so now you're paying more money and lots of uh, a lot more work and or you're buying 1.0 re uh, saws renegades and you're getting the crappy x-wing where the s-foils don't open up and typos on the cars yeah and um, a lot of these 1.0 ships, Epic ships in, in particular, like there's no such thing as a discount. Like we, I was in the store a little while ago, and you know, a, like a 1.0 resistance, uh, not uh, I was considered the resistance transport, but the 1.0 transport is still like almost a hundred bucks, like seventy to eighty dollars. You know what I mean? Like it's it's full price, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's. Again, it just sucks for the Raider. What are your What are your thoughts, Bohan? Yeah, I think I don't play Epic right now, uh, so it is definitely a shame that the only way you can get a Raider is to buy the 1.0 and the, the conversion kit. Uh, I also, you know, do you think it's a bummer that the FO and Resistance ships got delayed? Um, you know, it's always nice to see a small faction get more options. Although, as far as, you know, I'm pretty flexible on the factions, and I, I don't really play Resistance. Um, on the FO side, it is nice, at least, that the few fa options that the faction does have all seem to be pretty good and pretty viable. So, FO, at least, is um, is kind of okay there. Uh, but, yeah, you would like to see these additional options come in so that people can have uh, more things to play with in the faction. Uh, so I want us to move on now and talk about happier things. Let's talk about worlds. Uh, why don't uh, we start with Bohan and let's just talk about uh, your world's experience. Yeah, so it was great. So this is the first time I went to worlds and it was a lot of fun. Um, previously, you know, it's just the, the travel was a bit much. Uh, but I have to say that, you know, as, as much flack that the invite system got, I think winning an invite kind of pushed me a little bit to go to Worlds. Like, I'm not sure I would have gone to Worlds if I, uh, if there wasn't this type of invite system. So and you got your invite at a hyperspace trial, correct? Yes, at a hyperspace trial. So it was, uh, I think, one of the first in the area of Flint's. Yeah. And um, I actually got it flying the same list, although uh, the points went up, so I had to remove hate. But yeah, so I, uh, the, it was a lot of fun, you know, just hanging out with a group of people to nerd out and talk about X-Wing for an entire week. And uh, the trip down, you know, <laughs> we, we rented an RV uh, to drive from, uh, you know, Toronto or Kitchener or London down all the way down to uh, Minneapolis. And it was definitely not the most comfortable ride. Uh, but it was good for, you know, some, some stories, like the uh, torture bed in the back of the RV. Uh, that was a fun experience. A.K.A. my bed when we were there. That was the <laughs> best bed ever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's better it's, when it's stationary. Yeah, it's fine when it's not bumping up and down at, you know, some very high frequency. Um, so we, we were mildly warned, you know, at, at around 2 a.m. after we did our shift in, in the truck that the bed was a little bumpy, but... 
little did we know just how bumpy it would be. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I kind of, I think I caught a little bit of sleep and then I woke up and I was, you know, it was really bumpy and I was like, okay, this is fine. You know, I can, I can deal with this. And then I realized that, no, this is like somebody's taking one of those padded baseball bats and just whacking my lower back <laughs> over and over. <laughs> so It's not every day that you get seasickness while being in an RV. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not every day that you, uh, you sign up to be tortured. Like, you know, I'm pretty sure this is banned by the Geneva Conventions. So yeah, that's that was awesome. uh, that was that was a lot of fun. But you know, it was good to just stay and um, you know just hang out with a bunch of other X-wing players for the entire week. And um, the first day, we um, we got there. I think we were really tired. We um, didn't do very much. We we went to the FFG Center, which was really cool, and it was really nice to see that. And then the second day, we um, you know we went there. Uh, I didn't have to play in the last chance qualifier. So I played in some hyperspace pods, and I know that some people were kind of colluding the pods and just trying to like get as many pods in. But I figured, you know what, I'm just gonna actually play real games, and I'm actually really thankful I did because the level of competition kind of just like smacked me in the face right there, and I, you know, I got my, uh, I got my butt kicked a few times, and I realized that I really had to up my game, you know, if I was gonna have a shot at the real event. And uh, thankfully, you know, I think the first day, um, you know, I think I flew pretty well, and I think the dice were in my favor, and I managed to go six and one. Um, you know, the one game I lost was to Marcel, and I made a really bad blunder in the opening, and then I was just like, okay, the, the game's pretty much over. Um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I, things worked out the first day, and then the second day, uh, day two, uh, Saturday, I went up against. Um, the Seer Swarm in the first round, oh. and I think I got a pretty reasonable opening, uh, but the dice was probably slightly against me, like just a bit, and then I still got into a manageable endgame where I, I made a couple mistakes and then I didn't calculate the right endgame scenarios, and so I was going for this very risky plan where I didn't realize I had another plan that I could have uh, done, and so you know my opponent played really well, and made very few mistakes and he you know flew that high swarm or that sorry the seer swarm really well so definitely a good player to lose to and i think he went on to the top eight but yeah it was a lot of fun um i was okay with leaving you know with how i did at worlds um i you know had enough x-wing at that point to be pretty happy with uh how i did so overall you know it was, it was a lot of fun awesome uh what was your uh your kind of experience there Andrew, we I knew we kind of talked about it, but we didn't really get a chance to. Yeah, um, it was amazing. I had a different type of experience. I didn't ride in a like a hell's hound's tooth, <laughs> um, and giving myself like torture along the way. So I had a comfortable plane ride. <laughs> so think of all the stories you could have told, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously, eh? I'm glad you didn't have any horror stories going through the airport, though. I'm me. I'm very happy as well. It's very good, especially <laughs> as I'm. I, I was returning uh, Tim's uh, mat as I was coming back, so I was just carrying a random tube with me that looks like a base, <laughs> like a concealed weapon on its own. So, geez. But uh, no, it was a blast. Landed in there. It went up there with uh, Colin, who uh, is a, a Canadian. Uh, wait, was it Canadian? No, it was Canadian System Open. He uh, took uh, top. I think he was fifth at uh, Canadian System he Open. Was top in Swiss. So just a 
He well he uh, he took fifth in all around, and then he uh, like on day two, and then he was uh, he was yeah top in Swiss. So he's just fantastic. He's such a, such a great guy. So it was awesome to fly out there with him. And then once I landed, kind of got my bearings with uh, when we arrived at the house, found out where I was sleeping eventually, as I was being told ahead of time that uh, you know there we we may have miscalculated a little bit on the beds. So you kind of have the RV as a choice, or you can bunk here or there. But as soon as I heard the RV, I was like, "Yes, please!" I'm like it's like my own little retreat <laughs> from the from the houses. So and there's no snoring in the in the RV, which is also really awesome. Uh, got to hang out with some of the best people. Uh, people who I had uh, heard their voices before or heard their names before uh, through like podcasts or just uh, friends uh, in the communities but never actually got to meet so uh, had a blast doing that the community aspect was amazing getting out there and playing some X-Wing I same boat like I didn't have to do the LCQ because I got the invite and the invite was definitely a push to get out there in the first place and Sitting down at the hyperspace, uh, just trying to get some games in there and have some fun, get some tickets going. Um, I was having a blast. I didn't lose a single game in the hypers in all the hyperspace pods. So I think I went like eight and zero in them. So I was like, oh sweet, okay, this is maybe good um, for it. So go straight. And the funny thing, Bohan, is actually we have the identical. Uh, record, all, like we're almost right down to it. Like we went six and one on day our day one uh, A and day one B, respectfully. Yeah. And then we went, and I lost to a seer swarm, <laughs> and you lost to a seer swarm. Um, mind you, you didn't lose on on the day one A or day one B. What did you lose to on their day one A? Yeah, I lost to Marcel's. Um, he had the Naboo Anakin with uh, right. Detector and uh, Ray Cole with uh, Advanced Sensors and then uh, Obi-Wan with Sense and uh, Man. You know, 7B and such. You would think that it would be so easy to kill that stuff, but he has put a lot of work into that list and he's also a fantastic player. So Yeah, and, and that was one where I had an opening trap that he got out of, sort of, and I, you know, I didn't see that, you know, I basically didn't see that he could do a certain thing to get out of uh, what I was trying to do, and then uh, I made multiple blunders, and I was like, okay, like, you know, and once you get behind against that list, you know, it just has so many options, uh, because it's moving second, that mm-hmm. I was just like, well, you know, this <laughs> this is the game I lose today, so uh, I was, you know, I, I, it was a fun game, and uh, overall, you know, it's a very scary list, and Marcel flew it really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's a fantastic player. I yeah, so I went uh, six and one on my day one B, uh, taking the second top first order player to bring it on home to Canada, uh, and uh, alongside Bohan, and then uh, top sixty four uh, faced off against an incredible player locally, Cam Murray, and uh, we had a fantastic game and. I lost at the the very end to my Kylo dying, and it was the only time Kylo died the entire weekend. So kudos to him, um, and uh, it was uh, it was so much fun. If you've never, if for anybody listening, if you haven't been to Worlds and you're thinking about going to Worlds, go to it. Uh, whether you are playing in the LCQ, whether you qualify, whether you're just going to be there for hyperspace pods and maybe even the first chance qualifier, 
It is the best X-Wing experience I have ever had, period. When you win eight games, uh, it's a pretty good experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, the funny thing is, between the, the the three days that I competed, I have I actually won. So I won eight uh, out of the hyperspace pods, and then I went six and one in the day one B, and then I got a buy, and then lost to my top sixty four. So it was a pretty it was a pretty good uh, record uh, going out of there. And man, Bohan was with me when he when I lost my to the Seer Sword by four freaking points. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. I was watching that. I was rooting for you, but oh, it just couldn't quite happen at the end. I know my heart broke because he because the guy and the guy was a fantastic player. He also flew the Seer Swarm very well, and uh, I he 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 thought he was right there with me at the same point where he's like, "Oh, you just won it, dude!" Like crazy game, close game, and then we counted the points out just as he's like, "Oh, wait a minute!" And uh, uh, yeah, it, it was not a win for me. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. <laughs> and I have to say also, um, the ace is high on the last day, you know, after I lost in this in the cut. That was a lot of fun and I'm glad that I That was a lot of fun. I completely agree. It that that whole event, uh, the experience was so good and then just flying back and casually getting on getting on home to get in bed and relax was was awesome and I <laughs> felt that I, you know, you think about the idea and you're like, oh, geez, all these rounds of X-Wing, X-Wing, game after game after game, you don't think you can do it, but when you are there and you're going through it, honestly, it feels, you're just so hyped up uh, from everything going around that it doesn't feel so bad. And getting back here, you know, I'm just get right right back to the grindstone, so can't wait to compete next year. I'm definitely going to Worlds again, so... Uh, so you guys both flew First Order, uh, and you have been flying a lot of First Order over the past competitive season, yeah? Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, we just thought it would be it would be cool to have you guys both on as the, the two, two of the top First Order pilots in the world and the two top from the uh, two qualifying days of Worlds, and uh, discuss it. So I threw up on our Instagram a question. Uh, with people as like I was like what when we talk about first order would you like us to discuss and one guy he didn't uh, he didn't give us a question but he uh, Robbie says hmm responded to the question saying the first order needs more ships how how do you I know you kind of mentioned something similar Bohan yeah if I if I may start so I definitely agree I mean only having four ships Five, if you count the SF Gunner as a different ship, uh, is very limiting. Uh, that being said, I think their saving grace is that most of their ships are at least viable, if not good. So you still have a lot of options. Uh, when the January points came out, and uh, I was looking through, you know, I was, um, you know, looking through all the points adjustments. I think. You know, I had this thing about how to build a good first order list. And what it came down to is you throw out static, you throw out midnight, you throw out all the Upsilon shuttles except for the generic and Tapson. And you can throw out Avenger if you're only, you know, if you only want two or three ships. And then you just add ships with their logical upgrades until you fill your points, you know, budget. And you have a pretty good first order list. 
<laughs> that's really the recipe. Yeah, that's that's exactly funny what idea, you do. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So backdraft might not be great either. But like, yeah. So so most of their ships are fine. Backdraft's fine. He's not he's not great, but he's fine. So most of their ships are fine. Um. So you know, we, we you look at something like the Rebel faction, and they have a ton of options, and they have a ton of ships. Uh, but you know, many of those ships are mediocre or, or not great, right? So you, really, their their effective set of options is smaller. Uh, even though it looks like they have a lot of options. So, you know, certainly I think it does limit them that they have so few chassis, uh, but, you know, there is at least that saving grace. Yeah, I would completely agree. At First Order, like, you look through it, you see what works, and it's very clear quite often what is working uh, for the First Order, and then you just pick and choose amongst those and make a uh, make a list out of it and a good thing for them is that their good stuff is actually pretty good it's it's fairly very efficient in my opinion so uh for what it can do and its point cost it, it like comparably so yeah it just now i mean where it really comes down to it though is like flying it well like you really if you want to do it fly first order i think you have to not like that you wouldn't have to do with any other list but i think you really have to put the time in and learn how to fly them well uh i mean uh, especially quick draw i would say kylo is kind of you know the force user who uh, repositions and a lot of people will find those similar types of ships within their faction but Quick draw is kind of its her own beast as you don't want to be caught in situations where it's like, oh, I wasn't able to get a shot and they shot me, they strip, they hit me or stripped my shields and now I don't get to make an, a second attack and like that can be really hurting and if you choose an Upsilon shuttle, well then you, you definitely want to make sure that you are covering your blind spots right because it doesn't feel good to be in an upsilon shuttle where you are being shot at and you don't get to shoot back uh and you just take it because you're a shuttle um and uh for me i mean i was flying null uh and uh you don't it's a tie fighter so you really with lots of practice null is fantastic but you have to you have to fly her like very special (laughs) uh the next question that we had was from Suntir Ace of Legend and he asked is Fanatical the best faction elite upgrade and if not why not because heroic exists (laughs) heroic is really good Um, I will say that Fanatical is good on certain ships I think it's really good on quick draw Uh, it feels great when I lose all my shields which is sad and then I now have a free focus which is Excellent. But, you know, sometimes the, the downside is that it takes a while to turn on, right? So you don't get it from the beginning. But mm-hmm. it is very strong. What other faction-specific upgrades are there other than Fearless and Heroic? Uh, uh, as far as, like, elite. So there's Fearless, Heroic, Fanatical, and then yeah. Ruthless for the Empire. Oh, yeah. Dedicated oh, yeah. for the, uh, um, the Republic. And... Selfless for the uh, the rebels. What is what is dedicated do uh, again? That's the one that nobody ever uses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so it's uh, if they're in your side arc, uh, range one to two, uh, you can make them reroll a die, but you have to take a strain. Uh, oh sorry, yeah. Reroll a green die. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's 
pretty good, but the problem is it costs two points and it requires an EPT slot. And, and all the you cannot be limited, so you have to be a generic with an EPT slot. So there's only a couple of pilots that can even take it. Yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, all the really strong generics in the uh, in the uh, Republic faction are the cheaper ones that don't have the EPT slot. Mm. Yeah, I, I really like Fanatical on Quick Draw. I think Fanatical is. Probably one of the only uh, I, I, that's probably the only spot that I really like Fanatical. To be honest, I don't like Fanatical for a lot of other ships. I mean, maybe Blackout, but I don't really fly Blackout because for the ten point difference, I usually just go with Kylo essentially. So and Quake Draw gets to have that added bonus where you know she's an I six. So at least as long as my positioning works out, I'm gonna get to proc that Fanatical if my shields are down and I didn't just get killed outright where other ships it feels like you know fanatical might proc this turn but they've already chewed through my shields and i might be dead scorch is another one that i actually probably would feel okay with fanatical on just because it's only the one shield but he's the only one who really has that damage potential that i would want to put extra points on contrary to like the other tyfos i can't really think of another tyfo that i'd really want fanatical on it's probably okay on midnight Probably okay, but Midnight's so expensive, and yeah. she just doesn't function the way she did in 1.0. And people, I almost think that they still kind of hear Midnight and be like, "Oh, I remember her being bad. I want to kill it." And <laughs> and just she gets she she welcomes unnecessary aggressive nature just because of her name from 1.0. I feel so. So I I do think that uh, the best ship for Fanatical is well, Quickdraw obviously, but also uh, the Tie Silencers. Right, so the TIE silencers have four hole after their uh, shields are down, and it's defended by three agility. So that's the best that you can do uh, for Fanatical. Um, mm -hmm. The TIE fighters uh, are okay because they have three hole that's defended by three agility, so you still get some uses out of them. Uh, but they are a cheaper ship, so it's harder to justify the extra mm -hmm. two point cost on top of the cheaper ship. Mm -hmm. um, and you know they're okay on the tie SS, but the trouble is they have the three shields, and their three hole is only defended by two agility, so you get probably the least use out of them. And there was a round where I uh, on Vassal where I went up against somebody's uh, five tie SF list with fanatical optics, and only one ship at a time had fanatical active. Uh, if, if you know if it even got a shot with fanatical at all, because sometimes it just exploded right yeah yeah so. i moved away from fanatical on the 5sf list and just really bumped up to backdraft and then took a uh, crack shot on them all i still i find it almost like more effective in that regard uh so for the first order so if you had the chance to have like like fearless on the first order would you rather that than uh fanatical a lot of the times Ooh, fearless would be very good on quick draw <laughs> I think Fearless is one of the maybe not as good as Heroic just for three points but I, I'd say it's pretty close if not number two well I would totally take Fearless in the essence that Fearless is three points if yeah. I'm correct yeah. and Fanatical is two points and then you're procking a guaranteed extra damage at range one in arc if you're looking at them as well right where that's where like Fanatical it doesn't proc until your shields mm -hmm. are gone so Maybe you don't get it. I also like feeling 
pretty like when fanatical starts to proc on quick draw for example i feel more loose with my options so i feel like i'm okay to take an evade or i'm okay to take a, a target lock if i'm in like suicide mode to push through extra damage or to be more uh wary of damage coming in and say if i'm like a range three and i just kind of like okay you know i'm hoping for some good dice here and at least i have a passive focused turn Right. Yeah, and I, I think the, actually the best thing about fanatical on quick draw is that you can do the barrel roll and still get a modded shot. Exactly. Yeah, that would be another. Way. I totally forgot about that barrel roll, but yeah, absolutely. Because normally you barrel roll with them, and it just feels awful. You know, you, you <laughs> it really does. Big dice. And with fanatical active, it's a much different story. Yeah. Here's my X-wing, and it has no mods. Here it is. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I think really like fana- uh, fanatical. Uh, heroic, fearless, uh, selfless—they all have places, and and that they're useful. Um, I think that it's really like for people that fly just a couple of factions, and you fly fly first order. You're probably flying the Empire as well, and then your comparison is ruthless, which is kind of bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think out of all of them, ruthless is the only one that's probably permanently bad like even at zero points i'm not sure you're ever gonna get much use out of it um i think treacherous i mean treacherous is amazing like if you take a look at the effects it's just it's really hard to take on good ships right like if if seer could take treacherous that would be quite bullshit like you know that would be just awful to face and uh you know the if the uh republic generics that could actually take an ept were cheaper or if dedicated was cheaper you know that's actually a pretty good effect the you know reroll of green is is pretty good so you know it's not it's not bad it's just right now it's kind of priced out of contention Mm -hmm. right now first order just feels like there's a very few tricks that you can choose from however and that these are these are your tricks and you can do them i mean not a lot of people are flying first order for lots of different reasons um and being the fact that if you bring a first order list, maybe you can also catch them off guard because they're not prepared for facing off some against the stuff that you're bringing because it's not as predominant. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I you know I'm so looking forward to Vonrig. I think what and the Hotshots and Aces pack. I think uh, between those two things, they will provide a, so much for first order because I feel like I have a little treasure chest right now that I can uh, jump in and grab some stuff from and. Just having a bigger treasure chest would be amazing. So, uh, so the last the last question that was posed was, why don't people realize Captain Cardinal is the Howl Runner of the First Order? <laughs> <laughs> it's not the Howl Runner of the First Order. That's the problem. It, so Howl Runner. Uh, so let me let me pull up Captain Cardinal again. But I'm pretty sure his ability only works on uh, focus, focus results. results, right? Or it, eyeball results. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. So, so the so the reason Hellrunner is great is that you can take a focus and then you can reroll the blanks and then you have the focus to convert your your uh, eyeball results. Uh, Captain Cardinal doesn't stack like that. So all he does is let you spend a focus on defense and then reroll your eyeball results on offense. Or when you're stressed, uh, you can you know reroll some results. Yeah. And how many focus results are on a red die? It's only two, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we're looking at one. I mean, uh, one out of four times that you you even get a reroll the the focus. 
and even like it's just the variance is just not there and and you're not even turning up very good variance after taking him so where yeah. how runners just like re-rolls for days it doesn't matter yeah. so so the problem with captain cardinal is it actually does nothing for you unless you don't have the focus right or, yeah. or the target lock right so it doesn't stack with target lock or focus it does nothing for your damage output at all uh the only thing that it helps with is on defense if you uh take an evade you can you know re-roll your eyeballs and then potentially get an extra evade out of that and then use an evade on a blank or something on top of that we have tech and we have advanced optics so for four points you become how runner basically so yeah so unfortunately captain carnal his ability is just not that good i didn't even know there was a ship with the pilot named Captain Cardinal until I played against it on Tuesday. You know? He's great. You should use him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Howl Runner of the First Order. Yeah. You heard? <laughs> I did ask the Instagram user uh, what uh, what his list was and his experience with this pilot, and he said he uses Cardinal with Pattern Analyzer and five naked Epsilon Cadets um, and said he has had very good luck with his league. Um, and I think that the one thing that Cardinal has over Hellrunner is just the bulk of that ship, um, right? Like it mm-hmm. six six hull, six shields, nothing really to laugh at compared to Hellrunner, who half the time, if it wasn't for Aiden, would be dead very quickly. Um, but yeah, I think that for myself, I don't really look at how uh, at uh, Cardinal too much because Cardinal does have the restriction that Howl doesn't where Cardinal requires the ships that are re-rolling to be lower initiative value and still have charges left and it's it makes it very hard then for me to justify compared to Howl Runner who is just like hey if you're a friendly at range 1 go for it well Cardinal has charges two charges that so you spend a charge and a buddy can re-roll no so basically uh, the ability is active um, for until two enemy ships have been destroyed. Oh, so you okay. lose the charge every time an enemy ship within range three gets killed. That little combo with uh, him and advanced optics—that sounds kind of cool. Uh, it was he—he he had pattern analyzer. But... He didn't have uh, optics, and then they were. I, I was talking about what um, Andrew okay. was saying. Oh yeah, yeah. I've actually tried six. I don't know if you've tried uh, Bohan, but I've tried six fo. TIE Fighters with advanced optics and I threw a couple of named ones in there and they all had crack shot as well. It wasn't that bad to be honest. Yeah, I think they'd probably be okay. Uh, I think, I guess there is one time where Captain Cardinal does help you. I think this is what uh, uh, he was saying, which um, is if you have pattern analyzer, you can reroll your eyeballs with Captain Cardinal's ability and then spend the focus on blank. So it seems like a very expensive way to actually <laughs> use Captain Cardinal. Yeah, and I was I was quickly putting the list together, and I was just looking at like you can put Star Killer base in there. So if you really want an Upsilon, you can put an Upsilon. You lose one Tie Fighter, but all the rest of them have advanced optics still, and you still have tons of points to throw at upgrades. In fact, you could probably even bring Tavs in. Um, I, I mean, this is theory crafting around that concept, right? Uh, but you could bring Tavs in, and you could. It'd probably even coordinate your way through getting your ties in different positions and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's a difference of a tie fighter, but uh, you know, it's not to say that he won't ever be relevant. But he just doesn't seem. There just seems to be better options now. For my, I, I just want to bring on this question for myself. 
Do you think that First Order is better off in hyperspace, or is it the same as an extended? Well, there's no difference, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a difference. There is a difference between it because of the more the restrictions on the other factions. Do you think that the more open-endedness of extended hurts First Order more, or does it not make a difference? I think that they're so similar right now that it's hard to really tell the difference. I mean, oh, I guess if you really want to pick and choose, uh, hyperspace for the First Order probably performs a little better because there are just less tools for the other factions to use. Uh, example, Phantoms, Punishers. Uh, I, I can't really think about too, too much about the other factions, but uh, but some of the stuff that's really killing First Orders is, like, I mean, Seer Swarm is still perfectly relevant in hyperspace. That's super strong. A lot of the big, strong lists are still relevant in hyperspace. I mean, uh, you pick trip uh, Imperial Aces, and sometimes that can be difficult to handle for a First Order list, and that is easily transitioned into hyperspace. Like, those lists exist. So, um, for the most part, I think it's pretty well the same because the lists that are doing really well in Extended right now are still lists that you can either put a little bit of variation on or they already exist in hyperspace anyhow. Yeah, and I think overall, I mean, it's hard to say for an entire faction, right? Because the list variation within a faction is so wide. Uh, I'll say for Kylo Kukjot Tapson that probably some of my better matchups are Extended only lists. You know, I think the uh, the, the Scum Kirax Swarm list is probably one of, you know, it's it's still a tough matchup, but it's probably one of the slightly easier matchups. Uh, so, you know, that goes away in hyperspace. So if anything, uh, maybe extended it's a little bit easier just because you see some better matchups and, you know, it dilutes the Seer Swarm and those things a little bit more. Uh, so talking about hyperspace and extended, FFG also, one last bit of news is they released an article called Burning Skies, where they talk about the prizing and the format of the System Open series. And uh, one of the interesting things is with the last System Open series, they had the hyperspace qualifiers and the main event. And the main events were extended and the hyperspace qualifiers were hyperspace. They have now changed the hyperspace qualifier name to World Championship Qualifier, and they have flipped the formats of the two, uh, of the two events. So the World Championship Qualifier is now extended. It is only five rounds that you have to go undefeated in in order to move on instead of six rounds of undefeated. And the main event will now be hyperspace. Cool. Um, I think they changed it to World Championship Qualifier because it sounds a lot cooler when you tell your friend or your girlfriend that uh, you're going to a World Championship match rather than a hyperspace thing that they have no <laughs> idea what they're talking about. It's to get the white points in yeah. so that you were well, more this better guy's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal to go to this event. Yeah, we wouldn't want you to miss out on the world qualifying hyperspace. Yeah, Jared, um, Andrew also told me that um, he actually was not excited for the prizes for these uh, at all, too. So I believe wow. that. That's a lie. No. <laughs> I'd be more excited if they were first order prizes, but I'm very excited that they're uh, imperial and move away from these disgusting rebel uh, rebel players. And how dare Bohan touch resistance 
<laughs> so I don't I don't fly resistance. I fly everything except um, resistance and the separatists. Yeah, he was flying. He was flying guys, rebels. Resistance is the least flown faction. Oh, rebels and fine. Yeah, ooh boo boo bohan traitor <laughs> traitor. Wasn't wasn't FO the least flown faction? Part eight I, was the least flown faction. Yeah, it was six percent of the war, of the world's uh, uh, complete lit list. I, I I guess it's just the most flown faction because I play against you guys all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Back to your question, Jerry. Um, so no, it wasn't a question. More, it was just now talking about about this uh, the changes that are happening and then the prizing of the SOS series, the System Open series. Right, so I, I guess it kind of makes sense because all the other big world qualifiers, like the NAP Championship events are, um, you know, or the Grand Championship events, they're extended, right? So I guess it makes sense to have something be hyperspace. Um, just for me personally, I just feel like there's so little difference between hyperspace and extended right now that it doesn't really matter. And in general, I don't think there's any reason why one format would necessarily be better balanced than a different format. Uh, I actually had an article on my blog about this where, you know, it's entirely possible that hyperspace um, is a less balanced format because, you know, they might have banned some of the strong ships but left some of the other strong ships and so there's less to contest them, right? So, you know, we'll have to see how things shake out in the future uh, to see which format's better, but, you know, more variety is probably not a bad thing. They have talked, discussed about uh, changing the uh, the hyperspace format so that the hyperspace format is going to become um, they're they're going to be taking out I should say uh, upgrades and they're going to be doing more shifting between the pilots that they have rather than what it is now of just they keep adding in they're going to be taking out and being more selective and so you might. It might be more like what the U-Wing was at the beginning of hyperspace, where you can fly certain pilots from some ships, but not all the pilots from, from those ships. So you might be able to fly Blackout, but you might not be able to fly Kylo. I quit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it just we'll just have to wait and see, right? It's, it's hard to know until they do it, and it's going to depend on which exact pilots are going to be banned, and, and heck, the new points, which is probably going to come out at the same time, so... We'll have to see, you know, hopefully it'll just be, you know, both formats will be balanced really well and people will have lots of options for both. Uh, but, you know, the nightmare scenario is if, you know, they banned all but one or two really strong pilots and then those two strong pilots yeah. just dominate. Mm-hmm. I actually think, Bohan, that uh, First Order might be a perfect uh, choice for us going to System <laughs> Open because I, I dare them to, to, to ban his stuff in First Order. You know what? Ban Captain Cardinal. He's a crazy howl runner of the First Order. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, right? I mean, they might ban Tafson, which, I mean, I don't know. You know, I'll probably, you know, I probably won't be flying the same list again, but, um, you know, they could ban. Ships. And, and it's entirely possible that you know the points have changed, and then you know maybe Kylo or Quick Draw gets more expensive or something, and you know everything. You know <laughs> we could be having a completely different conversation about FO uh, in a few yeah. months, right? So. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll we'll both go to a large black chalkboard and we'll just be like, "All right, what do we do now?" Like they ban Tavson and Null. What do we do? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Andrew, but I'm, my attachment to FO is not as strong as you, so I would probably just switch to a different faction. I hate to say, but uh, you know, <laughs> you might be in big trouble. But you know, there's there's options for me. You're, you're breaking my heart, Bohan. You're going down a path I can't follow. <laughs> Says the guy who at the last system open was flying Empire. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it, it's funny actually because the list that I'm practicing with now is Vader, uh, Death Rain, and Echo, and that was it, exactly. I mean, except for the fact of Echo to Whisper, exactly what I took at the system open last year. Uh, the Canadian system open and uh, got top eight with it, so uh, it's kind of funny that I've come full circle. <laughs> so, uh, so what do you guys what, like with the prize? Have you guys had a chance to look at the prizing for? Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, looks cool. Uh, the templates look sweet. I'm probably not winning them. Um, oh, the only thing but, I think that's a little weird is that the um, the plastic cards, which are always really cool, yeah. they're the generics. I uh, know that was okay. So yeah, you know you you got the nail in the head there. That was just a bad choice. We don't want generic. Yeah, please. I think, I think it's such a bummer because plus you have to look probably get like you know a ton of them, right? Like if you have the academy pilot, you're probably gonna have to buy like seven of those. Yeah, that was in such. Those were some of the best sellers from the last system open. Was the the quick draw was super sought after. Gurry was super sought after. Some people really wanted the Jonas, right? Um, and now, now we got these generics. I'm literally just looking at those generics and be like, I don't care for any single yeah. one of these. They're, they're the worst generics too. Like, I mean, if you, it, well, I mean, the Academy pilot's good, um, but yeah, everything else. I mean, well, the Red Squadron expert, um, the T seventy X wing is. That makes sense because there's there's a like quad T seventy list that you can make with throw those ones in there, but uh, yeah, everything the, else. The, I mean, I guess the Techno Union bombers. No. Kind of okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's just no. It's not. There's everything else is great. That's the only bit that I would uh, say was like it just just wasn't a great choice. I mean, the great thing about this is that you just don't have to get them, right? Like you can spend exactly. your your things on other things. Um, what is that? By the way, what's that token? Oh, the that's the first one. player token. No, no, what's the red, the, the one with the three lines and the circle, the red? Those are charge tokens. Oh, those are, um, those are charges. Oh, okay. If, yeah, I so, pick up, you know, I'll try to pick up a set of those. Because. Exactly, I mean, those are pretty awesome for, like, passive sensors, because I usually throw my passive sensors out on the board. Yeah. So I'm thinking, like, passive sensors, or, you know, if you're flying Iden, then, you know, you have a cool Iden token. Like, those are pretty de- decent. I'll definitely be getting those. Yeah, they look nice. And the foam box, I mean, the maybe? Like, I, w- I plan on trying to win the thing. Like, that's my goal uh, for each time, is to win, the, have fun, but and then win. So uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do here. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I still use the corset box, right? So yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter too much. I guess the foam box is nice. I think it's because I am a First Order fanboy, and uh, the, the, the templates and everything, it's all red and black, so this is, like, perfect for me. <laughs> yeah, the templates are great. I like, these are my colors. <laughs> well, I think it's cool, too, that they have the uh, the four prizes that are the, like, the Inferno, Inferno Squad. Inferno Squad. 
yeah. faces on yeah. them. That's pretty sweet. The dials are uh, they're always one of the cooler things, I think. The cardboard punch outs too. Yeah, those are those are great. Those are gonna be sought after. The world stuff was super sought after. It obviously went over very well, and I'm pretty sure they're happy with how well it went over as they obviously had this already planned in the mix for the system opens for these being the prizes. So um super excited, yeah. I think the only one down downside about the templates is that you know, in the past the templates have just been kinda of like painted on, they're not engraved. And so the paint yeah. fades off with some use, right? So I, I hope that they, you know, it doesn't look like, you know, these are engraved either, uh, but it, you know, it's, it's hard to say from just a picture. I can tell you right now, they they are definitely paint. Oh, oh, actually, you know what? Those templates look like they are actually engraved, uh, to be honest. Um, I bet you, I bet you they, they are. I bet you they're very similar to the world's prizes. Okay, yeah, if they're engraved, then that's, that's great because then the, the wear, you know, the paint doesn't wear off, right? Yeah, I would like to point you to Exhibit A, the the Rebels uh, acrylic templates that I have. Yeah. Uh, from the only consolation I, prize for me uh, scrubbing out of the previous system opens and not getting the templates is, uh, uh, <laughs> you know. I, my plan is to just eventually rub it all away and then uh, just put a better faction painted on top. Oh, oh there you go. Rebels suck. <laughs> it's probably a, something like, you know, related to the story about that. Very appropriate. Maybe. <laughs> um, Alright, so one last thing that we, guys, we, we like to try, or I like us trying to do, is uh, a skills clinic. And this is where uh, we just kind of discuss different aspects of playing the game, and try and, you know, get get people that are better than me to teach me something new uh, or something better and uh today we have on bohan and like you have told us you create spreadsheets with the efficiencies kind of thing of pilots so i thought we would talk today about a ship's floor and ceiling and how do you determine a ship's floor and ceiling when you're especially for list building purposes right so like the floor is kind of how how bad can this ship be? And then the ceiling is how good can you be? Yeah, so I think that's a a tricky question. Um, you know, I'm not sure that's something that you know. I mean, my 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 ship efficiency spreadsheet, like you know, it calculates you know a few different efficiencies, like you know, if it just jousts versus if it's actually trying to arc dodge, right? So I guess if you um, if you fly a ship poorly, then it's not going to be very effective. Um, but overall, I'd say that you know an efficient ship is probably going to be effective. You know, it's not it's not really probably based on the floor or ceiling. Although, um, you know, in that context, maybe some ships are really bad without certain upgrades. So maybe maybe there's that there. Um, in general, about like skill floors and skill ceilings with with ships, I think I probably have a very different idea about that than most people so maybe you guys should start first and then you know i'll throw my takes out there yeah i think it's a tough thing to really calculate per ship because if you're going to look at one ship's floor versus ceiling then you're looking at it in a vacuum and as seen in, for example, a lot of scum builds, uh, they are intricate pieces of a larger puzzle, and 
a lot of ships work within a squad, and and that and that just you know everything, all the pieces working together create an overall you know a higher floor, higher ceiling, right? To to be able to perform. Uh, I mean, but there are cues to look at a ship in general to determine whether they're good. Uh, I mean, you look at what are what's their cost. How does that compare within the rest of the faction? How can can you fit things in with that ship? How does it compare against the cost of other very similar ships with similar upgrades in other factions? Uh, what upgrades can you put on them? Uh, do is this an ability that works alongside the faction right now for example captain cardinal right he has an ability it's kind of cool but it doesn't seem to be as relevant throughout the rest of the faction if you were to compare captain cardinal to like a tassin um if you like i mean it could be in different lists and stuff like that but the uh the tassin has very strong has a fairly strong ability on its own so right away like you're looking at a, a, a strong portion in a ship that appears to be stronger than another. And as you start putting other pieces into the, uh, the puzzle, the rest of your list, uh, perhaps you kind of see that continue to trend. Um, it just gets stronger and stronger as you put more pieces together. Um, it, it's, uh, there's so many different complexities to it. There's lots of factors that determine how good something is. So it's just, you know, analyzing that and then and then once you've done the analyzing, you can throw it on the board. And when you put it on the board, you're starting to then try it out in real space, no pun intended. And uh, and sometimes things that you think in theory are going to work really well uh, don't function that well on the board. And sometimes they do. So, you know, you put it in practice, you mess around, and, and eventually you start to really discover uh, the floors and ceilings of that specific list. And, and obviously everything is different, so it's just laws of trial and error, but it's hard to really just kind of judge it on one single ship, pilot, that kind of thing. I always, uh, I always have something to say, and then after Andrew talks for 10 minutes, I always forget what I'm going to say. <laughs> Ouch, wow. I know, I have the gift of the gab. <laughs> So on this topic, actually, I, I'd like to, you know, what, what direction were you trying to take this? Is this more a list building concept, like seeing how good ships are? Or is this more of like an in-game concept where, you know, you're, you're trying to see, you know, are, are there some ships that are like high skill versus low skill, you know, require a lot of skill to fly or something like that? Uh, more for list building, but take it whatever direction. It's pretty, pretty open. Okay, so I'll, I'll throw something out for list building. So... I will say that you do, so beyond just like, you know, flying good ships, um, there is an element where your list has to work well together, right? And so one of the challenging things would be, you know, there might be some ships that are, are like just basically pretty strong, um, but then, you know, it might not fit together uh, as well in the list. So the example that I had from my own experience was uh, back in the last set, uh, last iteration, you know, back when Leia was two points, uh, I was flying this list that was, um, uh, it was Wedge, it was Luke, uh, both naked, it was uh, U-Wing with Leia, and it was a generic X-Wing. And, you know, back when uh, the I-2 uh, U-Wing was not in hyperspace, I had to fly the Cavern Angel Zealot just because I wanted the initiative, you know, the same initiatives, uh, but later on I moved to the I-2s. 
Anyway, so I flew this a lot in, um, you know, on Vassal and a few times in, pe in person. And I was just having a really hard time figuring out the list. And eventually, I think the trouble with the list is that, so all these pieces are, are pretty strong. Like, I think, you know, Wedge and Luke are both strong. And of course, two-point Leia on a U-wing was very strong. And generic X-wings are pretty good. But the challenge is that the strategy didn't quite fit together that well. And so what I ended up finding, so basically what happens is that Wedge and Luke are my best ships, uh, but I can't really fly them to keep them that safe. You know, they're not like crazy arc dodgers or anything like that. So, um, and you know, they're the most offensive oriented ships in the list, right? Compared to their durability. And so the best strategy for my opponents is just to kill them first because they deal the most damage and they have the least durability relative to their damage. Right, so what I was finding was that even though I had this list with you know four good ships, um, my outcomes were actually kind of determined by my opponent. Where if my opponent went after the generic X-wing or the U-wing first, I probably win, and if they went after Wedge or Luke first, you know I probably lose. Right, so that's kind of a list where um, the strategy kind of didn't really work out. And you can kind of see that similarly with some of the other lists where it's like, you know, maybe you have like a, a really tanky ship but it's not really like your closer, uh, you know, it's not your best ships and your best ships are more fragile. So even if they're all like really strong ships by themselves, then, you know, it kind of gives your opponent an easy strategy where they go after your good ships and then your tanky ships can't really like deal enough damage to punish them. And then you get into unfavorable end games, right? So you, you might get into situations like that where you have to start thinking about, you know, does this strategy actually fit well together? Um, and I think similarly along these lines, you know, maybe you can argue that Scorch is a better ship than Null, but if you're flying Kylo and Quickdraw, you know, you probably want, you know, you might want that extra high initiative arc, you know, kind of arc dodger to, to be a little bit more unpredictable as opposed to a ship that, you know, is very easy to focus down, right? So you, you do have to think about um, how ships work together. Uh, but most of the time, you know, a good starting point is just taking the strong ships and then putting them together in the list and seeing if that works. I think if getting upgrades in ships that nullify dice mods, you know, things like advanced optics, you know, stuff like that, um, give you as many uh, contingencies as possible, I guess, is uh, another one. I'm, uh, yeah, to be honest, I kind of forget what the original question <laughs> is. <laughs> oh, just, I was trying to... Cliff was that kid who just never paid attention to the class. We're sorry, Jared. We I, apologize. Yeah, I was just, I was just that's, that's actually kind of half true. Um, yeah, so it was just about like determining the a ship's floor and or a list's floor and ceiling, right? And so another one is just when you're you're flying it, like because some of the sometimes I think that the a list or a ship will have. If they have a high ceiling where they can, there's a lot of room to to go and to win. Oftentimes, they have a really low floor as well. Yeah. So I actually, so I, I've got a, a take on this that's probably a bit unique. So I actually don't think there's lists that are really low skill or high skill lists okay. necessarily. As so, actually, so I take that back. So I think. The way that most people think about what's what lists are high skill or low skill is a bit off, uh, and so this, the classic example is let's take like a, a your bog standard jousting list, like you know let's just say four X wings and uh, and Zeb or something like that, you know an attack shuttle, 
right? And let's take your, you know, hyper art dodger list, you know, let's say like Gurry Fan, okay. right? And so here's the question is it harder to play Gurry Fan or is it harder to play against Gurry Fan? Because I know, I know what side of the matchup I want to be, you know, and it's not, you know, I think I'll say, you know, I think flying Gurry Fan is easier into that jousting list. Uh, than to fly the jousting list against Gary Feng. Right? I would agree. So, you know, and, and similarly, you know, I, I think, so So I think most people have this idea that, oh, if you have like a two-ship list or a three-ship list, or if you're flying like these fragile arc dodgers, right? It's it's really hard. You have, to have, you have to have a lot of skill. If you're flying, you know, just a bunch of, you know, block of VP generics, then you have to be low skill. Um, but you know you can make big mistakes with generics where you just end up in these positions where it's just like well I can't win anymore, uh, you know especially you know or, or you end up in positions where um, you know you make one mistake and then suddenly uh, you lost the ship and now you you can't even joust anymore right so then it's like oh well <laughs> you know even if I manage to joust this list I lose <laughs> you know so it's like you just you know you just have no path to victory right whereas you know obviously. You know the, the fragile arc dodgers can make a mistake and then immediately lose two, but you know so can the the beefy jousting lists. So mm. I think actually the most high skill. Okay, so so there's two points. So one, I think the easy lists are the strong lists, and the hard lists are the weak lists. So the ones where if you have neutral <laughs> dice, you know you really have to outfly your opponent. Like if you just you know like trade shots as normal, you lose, right? So that's. You know, that's one where you, if you're flying like, you know, like academy, eight academy pilots against, you know, whatever strong lists are at Worlds, uh, you're probably going to have to outfly them, right? Um, just because they beat you numerically. Um, and I think the other lists that are really hard to fly are sort of like these mid-initiative ships where you have to change up your strategy a lot because sometimes you're flying against generics and you have to fly as arc dodgers and sometimes you're flying against high initiative pilots and you have to fly as, you know, kind of like jousters or blockers. And, you know, sometimes you're facing a mixed initiative list, so you're trying to, like, arc dodge part of their list and try to, like, you know, catch the other part. So I think these are the hardest lists to fly just because you have, like, you know, such a wide um, array of strategies that you have to use. Whereas if you're a low initiative jousting list, you're probably always going to be jousting. And if you're a high initiative arc dodging list, you're probably always going to be, you know, kind of like, you know, arc dodging. So, you know, that's sort of... I really like that... Yeah, I really like that take on it. I, I agree. I think that if you're right in the middle, you have to always be really kind of switching up your responses, whether they're generics you're facing against or whether it's aces. Mind you, I would say that uh, when I use like an ace list, I, I am obviously going to be responding to different lists differently, whether it's like a, if I'm flying another eight against an aces uh, list or am I going to be flying against a swarm list and um, I think really the only lists are on the extreme ends, right? So it's like if you got vultures and your 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 list is full of ones, then chances are that's when you're really just kind of putting it in only at those ones. Versus if your imp aces at sixes, let's say, uh, well then you're only you're kind of always most likely going to be going last, right? Unless you get uh, outbid by like a curry fan or something like that so i mean it's hard i guess it's i mean more consistently if you if you are the middle initiative that's when you're more consistently always having to change up your responses uh indefinitely where if you are on one of the extreme ends most of the time you can respond to things the same way you um consistently do 
right? But yeah, I think the only I, I agree with pretty much everything. But the only thing I would add would be if you took okay, so a hundred people to fly, say, Guri Fen or like like Imperial Aces or one of those high high ace um, lists, and put them against like the classic jousting lists, like say four X wings, say like something like. Um, you know, B's, X, and a U. I, like, if, if we're using that Gurry Fenn example, I, I would say that maybe, like, 20%, so maybe, like, 20, 20 out of 100 people may be successful against a list like that if they're using those Arc Dodgers, you know? Um, that, that would be my, that would be my estimate. I don't know, what, what, do you, what do you guys think about that? I think that's definitely true depending on who your your audience is, right? Who's mm-hmm. in the list. So if you're taking, like, you know, just the swath of X-Wing players, right, and, and doing a representative sample, I agree with you probably because, you know, Flying Arc Dodger, you know, it's, it's harder. There, there is that little sort of initial skill level to figure out how not to joust, right? I think, I think there is that. But if you take, you know, 100 people at Worlds or even 100 people who are... You know, top cut or make on the bubble of making the top cut. You know, the people that you have to beat if you wanna if you wanna make the cut to a tournament. Um, you know, I think it's probably gonna be pretty even at that point, um, and it's probably gonna come down to you know the relative sort of objective strengths of the list, right? So I think you know I think Gurry Fen might just right now be a stronger archetype than the four X type archetype. So you know I probably. You know, put it on that, but you know, if you go back to before where Leia was two points, you know, I think it'd probably be pretty even um, if you, you know, gave it to everybody at Worlds and had them um, run a couple of reps, you know, of it before just so that yeah, they sure. know what the ships do, and you know, but you know, maybe one rep just to just to make sure that you know what they know what all the upgrades do. But um, you know, I think I think it'd probably be pretty even. All right. Okay. Well. Thank you so much for being on with us tonight, Bohan. Do you have any shout-outs or any final thoughts or anything else that you would like to share with uh, the listeners of the 90s podcast? Yeah, a big shout-out to the people I play with at London, Ontario, uh, the Ewok Squadron. And especially a big shout-out to Mark DeBruin, who's my practice partner. Uh, See, other people call him by their full, his full name. He's to be called Mark DeBruin, the full name, always. <laughs> Yeah, so, well, I, I think there's some other marks somewhere, so it's, it's good to make sure I got the right one. Yeah, so... He's clearly the only Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, Mark Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, also, you know, big shout-out to everybody else, you know, all the other players in Ontario. Um, you know, big shout-out to Nassim, who got me into X-Wing, uh, or at least, you know, was there for me when, when I got into X-Wing. Big shout out to the Ontario people, you know, Devin and uh, Timbo and everybody else who organized the trip down to Worlds. And uh, yeah, I guess also a big shout out to all the great people I met at Worlds. I think that was another uh, big thing, which I didn't mention earlier, like, you know, just meeting a lot of the really cool people, uh, like, you know, meeting Jesper, meeting Marcel, even meeting Kaylin for the first time. Uh, so yeah, I think, you know, that was another big uh big fun thing for going to Worlds. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, how about you, Andrew? Any shout-outs or closing thoughts? Well, thanks, Bohan, for joining us. It was fantastic to have you. Thank you for having me on. 
Yeah, no problem. Uh, shout out, you know, uh, Brew Wizards Board Game Cafe in Oshawa. We're running events there. Critical Hit uh, Gaming Lounge in Curtis. We're running stuff out of there. And uh, you can check us all that information on Star Wars Gaming Durham on Facebook. And yeah, shout out to everybody I also met at Worlds, and I can't wait to see you all next year. And Cliff, how about yourself? I'm just, yeah, thanks, Bohan, for uh, coming on today. Um, that'll be that'll be all my shout outs for the, for this one <laughs> <laughs> alright well everybody thank you so much for joining us if you would like to get a hold of us please feel free to reach out over Instagram or Facebook we are also on Discord and we'll leave a link in the description and we can be reached by email at nattiespodcast at gmail.com my name is Jared Grunewagen and until next time Keep your ship on the mat. We're rooting for you. And as always, just roll natties.